Welcome back to Second and Short. It is March 29th, 2023. And before we get into anything, I do want to talk about the tornadoes that hit Mississippi, uh, Alabama, and South Georgia. Uh, tons of cities just left in ruins. The pictures and videos are absolutely horrible. And uh, I urge you uh, to find a relief fund, either one that uh, you trust, uh, somebody that you can find, anything like that to donate to if you do have the means because all the support we can give them is fantastic. All right. Let's talk about what's happening today. So Brock's out. I brought in my boy Colin. He's going to fill in, so he better not let me down. What up, people? And we've got a ton kind of coming up. It's kind of the waiting period of professional college sports in general. The MLB season starts up in... A matter of days now. It's Wednesday as you're hearing this. Starts up on Friday. I absolutely cannot wait. We've got the draft in a month. We've got college football in 150 days. And once again, we find ourselves waiting. So we're waiting on baseball, the draft, Rodgers to be traded, uh, whatever the fuck's going to happen with Lamar. Just waiting. But it's okay. We're all waiting together. And we've got Colin here, and he's going to wait with us. So we've got NFL news. A little bit of draft talk. A couple of things in college football. I'm going to be giving y'all some ones to watch. I think Colin's got a couple as well. Uh, Me and Colin, as Braves fans, we're going to talk about those Braves City Connect jerseys that released. And then we're going to hit a stakier claim before we leave. Colin, you ready to get into it? Let's get it. All right. Well, we start off as we do with Lamar Jackson, of course. So we heard a bunch of rumors, and me and Luke talked about it on Friday, that there was an uncertified agent representing Lamar Jackson. Um, that agent being Ken Francis, um, who nobody had really ever heard of. Um, regarding the situation, Lamar quote tweeted uh, reporter Tom Pelissero saying that um, Tom Pelissero reported that Ken Francis was trying to negotiate with NFL teams. Lamar quote tweeted him and said, stop lying. That man never tried to negotiate for me. So, I'm going to just go with Lamar's word here. So let's say he wasn't negotiating with people. Well, 15 minutes later, Lamar posted a tweet promoting a home gym product with his business partner, Ken Francis. So what was Ken Francis talking to NFL teams about? Because I'd assume he was not pitching this home gym product. And if we're taking Lamar's word, he wasn't negotiating either. I, I don't I don't really know, but one thing I'm for sure, I'm I'm ready for all this Lamar trade talk, everything to be over with. I'm so sick and tired of pulling up Twitter and it's all over my feed. Like I need him to get to a team and then just be there because I'm just done with it. I don't I don't even like him as a player, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's obnoxious that he's taking up everything. And he just continues to do so. He took to Twitter on Monday uh, with a tweet saying, a letter to my fans. I want to first thank you all for the love and support you consistently show toward me. All of you are amazing, and I appreciate you all so much. I want you all to know not to believe everything you read about me. Let me personally answer your questions. And then he replied to his own tweet stating, in regards to my future plans, as of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens have uh, not been interested in meeting my value and he and everyone that has met me or been around me knows that I love the game of football, and my dream is to help a team win a Super Bowl. You're all great. 
but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family. And I, no matter how far I go or where my career takes me, will continue to be close to my fans of Baltimore Flock Nation and the entire state of Maryland. You'll see me again. Okay, so that one's a loaded one. So he's essentially thanking the fans, which is a normal thing. And then saying that March 2nd, almost a whole month ago at this point, he requested a trade. How did nobody know about this until now? Yeah, it, it, it's almost like the Ravens just like wanted to keep it quiet because uh, it's very controversial, the whole argument between Lamar and the Ravens. But like going forward, I Lamar just wanted it out. He wants everybody to know that he's done with the team and he wants to go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think that that's really what it boils down to. But then he ends it off with, you'll see me again. So is this just him saying, like, yeah, we're going to play the Ravens every now and then? Or is this saying, I'm going to stay in the area and go to the Commanders? Uh, I don't see him going to the Commanders. Really, I, I, he's going to stay in the AFC uh, 100%. Honestly, like, I see him going to Miami. Like, really? with the Tua on, on the edge, I see him going to Miami. He's, I think it's 100% he's not going to the Jets, even if, Aaron Rodgers falls through. Uh, he's not going to the Jets. Uh, Falcons, no. Colts, no. Buccaneers, no. I, it's it's got to be the Dolphins. Yeah, and those teams that Colin's referencing are from ESPN's Bill Barnwell. Uh, he put out a, a list of best fits, but his top five, uh, starting at five, being the Dolphins, four, the Buccaneers, three, the Colts, two, Jets, and number one, the Falcons. Look, I would be fine with him on the Falcons. I don't know what your personal vendetta against Lamar Jackson is, I think he's a fantastic football player. I think he would work in the offense that we've run because it's already run heavy. So if we add this aspect of a running quarterback, it changes a whole lot of stuff. But I feel like the offense would work well. And Lamar is a talented quarterback. No matter how you take it, whether you say like, oh, he runs the ball too much, whatever. He's a talented quarterback even when it comes to throwing the ball. And I feel like people undervalue him because the big stuff that we see of Lamar Jackson is these crazy running plays. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, he is he's a fantastic football player. And like you said, like, he's been in Baltimore where, was it this last year, his number one weapon was Devin DuVernay. Like, like come on. Like, you, you put him in Atlanta and you're throwing to Kyle Pitts, uh, Drake London. Uh, you got Cordell Patterson and Tyler Algier to work with. Like your numbers are going to be better, but it's just, just my personal opinion. I just, I'd like to see him in Miami. All right, I honestly would. Well, to follow that up, a Colts private plane uh, had an extended stay in Baltimore this week. Uh, no reason has been given for the visit, but something to look for. I don't think this is a big deal. I, I think that multiple teams are probably sending people to Baltimore to meet with Lamar because they're, they're allowed to at this point, but I don't get why this has to be news. Like people are talking about this, like, Oh, like that means the Colts are going. No, I'm sure other people like other franchises have sent people to Baltimore just that the Colts took one of their planes. And of course people are going to track it. That's just how football fans are. Yeah. And if you think about it, like with, if say, Lamar 
does go to the Colts. But like, does that mean they're they've completely given up on Sam Ellinger? Are they not yes. going for will, a QB in the draft? Because they, they have a fantastic pick. They, they they can easily get their their guy. But I just can't see Lamar going to Indianapolis. And what because what he's got Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. Paris, Jonathan Taylor and Paris Campbell. Yeah. I think so. I actually, I think Paris Campbell left. I think he went to the Giants. Could be wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, uh, he doesn't have many weapons there, so I, I don't know. I, for some reason, still think that it's going to work out in Baltimore for Lamar Jackson. Obviously, he doesn't want to be there, so that kind of eliminates them at this point. Like, even if they wanted to keep him, if they match any team's offer, he's not going to play. Exactly. So, uh, you know, they might just fuck him over. But let's move on from Lamar. We've heard enough of him from, you know, for the last two months. But (laughs) reporter Greg Doyle of the Indianapolis Star released an article stating, it's clear to me now, Colts GM Chris Ballard will trade down to draft Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker and get more draft picks. Veteran quarterback Gardner Minshew will start Hooker will start later, and there will be more picks to plug the many holes in this team. This is wild. I don't see this happening whatsoever. Yeah, it's when I saw this, I I actually I turned my phone off because I just stared at the ceiling and just thought about this scenario. Cause Gardner Minshew, like he he's not a QB to start in the NFL right now. And no. yes, yes, there's a lot of upside for Hendon, but I just, I don't think he fits in Indianapolis. I don't even think it's a matter of fit. I think it's just a matter of value. You have the fourth overall pick. I feel like you should just use it. I don't see a reason in them trading it. They, they essentially, they're getting the third best quarterback. We, we know the Panthers are going quarterback. We know the Texans are going quarterback. The Cardinals definitely aren't. So the Colts are in the position to take a quarterback. I don't get why they would trade down. I get that they'd get other picks, but they most likely wouldn't come in the first round. If they trade down, let's say, I think Hendon has a chance to go in the first round. Let's say they trade down to uh, 20 one with the Chargers. I, I don't know why the Chargers would need to trade up. Let's say they trade down with the Chargers to 21 and they get Hendon Hooker at 21. Well, the Chargers, they have a couple of picks to give up, but not many. And there's a lot of teams there at the back end of this draft in the first round that don't have a lot of picks throughout the rest of this, the whole draft. And it's hard to find value there. So do you trade back to like, 15 or 14 with the Patriots and Packers like I don't see any value in the Colts trading back yeah I just I think with their was it yeah they think they have a fourth uh, they need to honestly I'd say go Anthony Richardson that because that just makes more sense than Hendon Hooker like I I 100% believe that Anthony Richardson is more NFL ready than Hendon Hooker yeah like in 
from the four spot, there's not a team after them really that has to draft quarterback. And I just, I don't know. I feel like there's no reason for any of them to want to trade up and give up some seconds and thirds to the Colts just so that the Colts can trade back and get a worse pick. I, I feel like it it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, the, the next team I could see getting a QB would be down at 14 with the Patriots, just with Mac Jones not having a great season last year. It makes the fans of New England very worrisome. Yeah, and like the only one after them, maybe the Buccaneers. I know they signed Baker, but you know, is Baker really the starting quarterback you want, or do you want to pick up, I don't know, Will Levis? Hey, man, Kyle Trask. Don't sleep. Yeah, man. We'll see. But um, let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins because the trade market for him is heating up. Uh, it's been a while now since you know it was kind of reported that he was asking for a trade and most likely would be traded. Uh, it looks like the Bills are headlining the pack, but a couple of teams that were initially interested, it looks like they might fall out of the race. The Chiefs might come out of it only because – of the financial expectations of trading for DeAndre Hopkins. They don't know if that could fit into their cap. And the Ravens reportedly haven't even offered or talked about this trade, which I feel like if there is a good wide receiver on the trade market or free agency, whatever, the Ravens should be talking to them. Yeah, that that is like, if I'm Baltimore right now, I'm looking for an elite wide receiver and an average wide receiver that I believe is the only way they can get Lamar to stay. The problem is, uh, is if you pick up DeAndre Hopkins, you got to pay him. Can you pay DeAndre Hopkins and give Lamar Jackson a ton of guaranteed money? Yeah, that's that's the only thing stopping. But uh, I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the Bills would be ridiculous. Oh my God! Yeah, think about that. I, I'd probably. I would consider Stefan Diggs still the wide receiver one there, but Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, and Gabe Davis, like you're not catching a deep ball. Like or, sorry, you're not intercepting a deep ball. All three of them will catch it. Yeah, that's just a field day for Josh Allen. Like that would be my team in Madden. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, it sounds like a Madden franchise offense. Like goodbye 49ers. Hello, Buffalo. Yeah. If only they had a better playbook. <laughs> and Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon said that they're going to move forward with Hopkins being a Cardinal. So in sports professional talk, they're saying DeAndre Hopkins is certainly being traded because if you have to say that, that means he is not going to be there. Yeah, now, now hear me out. DeAndre Hopkins comes to the ATL. No. No? Nope. I'm good. You don't want him? No. Uh, I don't I don't see the value in picking up a guy who's been injured. He had a PED suspension. Uh, he hasn't been on the field. He's going to ask for a lot of money. And we're going to have to give up a decent package because it looks like the Cardinals' asking price for DeAndre is a Christian McCaffrey-esque deal. So they want picks. And I just, 
I don't think the Falcons are in a position to give up picks right now unless they're getting a quarterback. Okay. I just wanted to get your insight on that. Yeah, I just – look, DeAndre Hopkins, fantastic wide receiver. I don't think wide receiver is a position that we have to address right now. 100% agree. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Dan Snyder because – what could we do without Dan Snyder being in the news? So it looks like people close to Dan Snyder said that he isn't opposed to Bezos placing a bid for the team, and they have communicated to Bezos' people. Uh, these people say Snyder's animus to Bezos over coverage issues has been overblown. Bezos has yet to place a bid for the team. So uh, this is such like petty shit because it, at first it was reported that Bezos was going to submit an offer Snyder said, I'm not taking his bid, and then people shut it down. Now it's coming back. Now people are saying that Bezos like hasn't even placed a bid. I don't know what's going on, and neither does the NFL, uh, because Dan Snyder, who is under investigation by the NFL, has declined to be interviewed in their investigation, which I feel like that just shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, it's... It's it's a weird sort of topic right now because, like, Bezos had an interview and basically he said, I grew up watching football. It sounds fun. Good enough for me. It's just that that's just funny to me that that is his reasoning on wanting to make a bid on the Washington Commanders. Yeah, but look, Colin, tell me, OK, if you had. Let's say ten billion dollars to your name. Are you not going to buy an NFL team or an MLB team or something? I feel like there's nothing cooler than if I had a ton of money, I would buy a professional sports team. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm going to the MLB all day long. Yeah, uh, I'll buy the fucking Pirates. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'll go down to Miami. You think you're buying the Marlins? Yeah. No, we'll see. All right, well, let's not talk about Dan Snyder because he's a piece of shit. Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott. He's narrowed down his options to where he wants to play between the Eagles, Jets, and Bengals, um, and he would like to make his decision about where to sign by the end of next week. So it looks like Zeke wants to be on a team quickly. He doesn't want to miss voluntary OTAs, and I'm still kind of surprised the Bills aren't in these conversations, but I feel like the Bengals maybe fits the best for him? I I was thinking the same thing because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Samaje's gone, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I Ezekiel Elliott, like the Bengals, you give them a uh, pound to run. And let's see, you got Joe, not uh, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins. And Tyler Boyd, you put Ezekiel Elliott in there. That just adds another weapon. I think a lot of people are discrediting him as an athlete just because this past season he got outshined by Tony Pollard. Yeah. Just because uh, they are two completely different running backs. Yeah, Tony Pollard is most definitely like an open field type running back. He can get tough yards as well. And I think that kind of stole what Zeke was good at. So – like with Tony Pollard being so skilled in both aspects of being a running back, Zeke didn't have a spot. 
obviously they cut him because you can't pay a guy that much when he's just kind of taking up space. So I, I just, I don't know. The Eagles is possible, but I don't really think it's going to happen. Uh, supposedly the Eagles are happy with who they have at running back right now, uh, which I believe is just Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. Um, not too sure if they uh, made any other pickups. And then the Jets, I just I don't see that one happening. They've got Brees Hall, who's going to come back. They've got a bunch of other guys in that running back room that could certainly fill the void until Brees Hall returns. There's no reason for him to go to the Jets, and I, I truly think out of the three, it's got to be the Bengals. Yeah, uh, 100% agree, and I'm very high on Brees Hall. Like, before his injury, he he was putting up MVP-type numbers. Yeah, no, he um, looked ridiculous. And just, just the little times we saw Kenneth Gainwell in Philly, like, so Miles Sanders – of course, was RB1. But every time Kenneth Gainwell was on the field, all the the defense was still worried about him because he is a playmaker. And I think if you give him at least like 75% of the touches and give the rest to Boston, I still think you have a very effective running game. Yeah, and of course you have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. So your running game is not going to struggle. I don't think that's a problem. I think they're you know, there's not a lot of times where the Eagles are going to get into a position where they have to rely on running backs. So why waste your money on one? Exactly, and I'm I'm blanking on the running back that filled, not Michael Carter, but the other running back that started popping off late season for the Jets. Uh, Zonovan um, Knight. Yes, he like there's a lot of a lot of upside with him as well, and when you pair him with Brees Hall, that a little scary. Yeah, it's frightening. Uh, DJ Chark signed with the Panthers. This is Chark's third team in the NFL, um, his third cat team as well. Uh, if he joins the Bengals, he will have played for every big cat mascot in the NFL. Uh, obviously, started off with the Jags, played for the Lions last year. Now with the Panthers, I think he's got to go to the Bengals to finish this off. That, that would be amazing. I would love to see that. Yeah. That would be one of those stats that, Monday Night Football reads off as he's going out for a five-yard slant catch. Yeah, he'll get like a he'll have a game where he gets like one reception for six yards, and but when he gets that one reception, they'll be like, "Yeah, didn't you know that DJ Chark has played for all four of the teams with a big cat as their mascot?" <laughs> and then in like Sunday Night Football is going to make one of those horrifying graphics of it too. Yeah, those. They're <laughs> not pleasant to the eyes, but I mean, I, I like this pickup because with DJ Morgan, DJ Chark, I mean, he's he's about your average wide receiver that can still make the big plays for you. He's not going to go out and post MVP numbers like your Tyreek Hill and Jamar Chase, but he's still a viable option for a rookie quarterback that's going to come in. Yeah, which I think is CJ Stroud, but we'll get to that in draft talk. Chargers defensive lineman Sebastian Joseph Day took to Twitter to express a situation with TSA at the airport. Uh, this is the tweet word for word. I really just got sexually assaulted by TSA at John Wayne Airport. After I asked the gentleman to stop because I'm uncomfortable, I feel that this part of the check is unnecessary, in parentheses, after he felt what he needed. 
Then they told me I was the problem after three TSA agents swarmed me. This is so ridiculous at this point because I feel like we hear stories of people being just like TSA just has such a power trip at the airport. Yeah, like I earlier this year, I flew down to Orlando and going through, I saw at least just standing in line for 20 minutes, three people get pulled aside and there was like just no cause they it's it's just ridiculous to just hear and see about this all this stuff on the news yeah and, and like the fact that you know i'm i'm sure sebastian joseph day had a reason to be saying this uh, like he said he got sexually assaulted and you know maybe he's using that in a loose way but we can't assume that um obviously they're going to pat you down uh, some part of that is probably going to be somewhere that doesn't make you very comfortable. So I, I don't know. This is just crazy. And like the fact that he had to deal with that is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And then Geno Smith was having some fun on Twitter. Uh, a couple of people trying to troll him over some play that he made last season. And one user said uh, that the play was dumb luck to which Geno responded, Quarters coverage, Tyler beats the double, DK takes his two defenders left, no luck involved. We did this all year, and then this game right before half. Looks like a throw into coverage when in reality it's just Tyler beating the double, gotta know coverages. And then another user responded to his quote tweet that referenced a stat called interception-worthy throws, in which Geno racked up 43 last season, which I'm going to say I agree with Geno. He said it's not a real stat. I think interception-worthy throws is the most bullshit stat I've ever heard. Yeah, it's it's unlike there's no reason that that should ever be considered a real stat because you're going up against so many different coverages. And I'm I'm going to give it to Gino. He played really well this past season. He outsmarted a lot of defenses, and I think people need to give him more credit and stop hating on him because he. I'm going to put him in above average QB. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say he's good for sure. Like, he looked amazing last year. I, I think he's primed to do well again this year. Maybe not as good, but who knows? Look, Geno Smith has been around the NFL a lot. Though he hasn't started a ton of games prior to this past season, he's still been there. It's not like he just wasn't playing football. Like, the guy studies the game. That, he's a quarterback. That's just what you do, and you can't just say like, "Oh, you like you're lucky," or like you don't, you're you're not good. The guy's good. He's much better than you at quarterback. Hey, exactly. And I was so happy for him when I saw the Seahawks resign him, just because he deserved it. He went out and he proved to everybody he deserves a spot in the NFL. Yeah, he is an absolute baller. Alan Lazard told TMZ Sports that Aaron Rodgers was a big reason that he's now a Jet, adding that he has zero concern that a New York trade for the quarterback could fall through. Once again, you're kind of late. This is not news anymore. It's pretty obvious. As soon as you see Alan Lazard signs with the New York Jets, you go, okay, it's because Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Like, this isn't a story. 
Yeah, and I'm willing to bet Rodgers just called up Lazar. He's like, hey, get out of Green Bay. Come, come be a champ. All right, yeah. let's make some magic happen. Yeah, like, I don't – sometimes I don't understand why some people report on things. Like, why did TMZ Sports have to reach out to Alan Lazard to talk about that? Like, it's I, – I don't know, man. Whatever. All right. Head coach Brandon Staley addressed the Austin Eckler situation – uh, saying that I think there's an alignment and a way forward. We want him to be a Charger. Okay, so if you wanted him to be a Charger, why the fuck have you been wasting cap space for the last however many years and not giving him the deal he deserves? Because if you really wanted him to be a Charger, you would treat him well. Exactly, and uh, I believe me and you were talking about this the other day. They just... For so long, we're more worried about paying their defense and all of their overpriced players that you still got Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler on the offense that you have to pay. Yeah, they're putting themselves in a horrible situation. Not that the Chargers have ever been in a good one, honestly, but it's just like it's boneheaded moves by the front office, and I, I still feel like Brandon Staley's not the guy. I, I don't like his approach, but just in general, it's like you can come out and say like, yeah, we want him to be here. It's not going to change the fact that for the last, you know, however many years he's been with the Chargers, you haven't got, given him the money he deserves. He's been a top running back in the NFL for a couple of years now, and you're still not giving him the respect he deserves. Yeah, and his like his touchdown numbers – last year were ridiculous both passing and rushing or not passing receiving and rushing um again putting up mvp numbers but you're taking a risk and letting him walk like it's just a bonehead move yeah it's ridiculous and zach taylor the head coach of the Bengals, uh said that he has no update on joe burrow's contract he said uh, in quotes not my job thankfully which I feel like Zachary Taylor is definitely part of this. Like, he's got to be... Obviously, he's not figuring out the numbers, but he's probably expressing to Joe Burrow, like, okay, you're coming back. You guys figure out a number. I'll be here waiting for you to come in with that big bag come OTAs. Yeah, and I I can see where he gets not my job, thankfully, because... The contracts for the Bengals are stacking up right now with all your elite players. And it could definitely be very stressful for anybody to have to deal with what the top five on the team right now being what uh, Joe Burrow. If you're looking at doing a deal with Zeke, uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Yeah, like it's it's a lot of money. You got to pay Burrow. Next year, you've got to pay Jamar Chase, and you still got T. Higgins there. If you bring in Zeke, you're going to end up having to pay him something. Joe Mixon, he's got paid, but if he's going to stick around, uh, money's involved. And if they they really need to improve their secondary next year, and it looks like they're putting no money into that in this offseason. So it, it just it doesn't make sense to me, the moves that they're making, but... They've got to get the borough contract done. 
hundred percent. But Burrow is whenever someone says Cincinnati Bengals, I immediately think of Burrow. He is the future. He he's gonna be a Bengal for life. And I think it's got, easy it's easy to say that at the beginning of some guy's career, especially when he's had good success. But I, I do agree. I think he certainly could stay with the Bengals his whole career. Everybody thought Brady was a, a Patriot for life. Rodgers was a Packer for life. But, you know, there's no telling right now. But I, I think that Joe Burrow could certainly, you know, be the guy. Like, he's going to be the only guy left from this roster at some point. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this Bills stadium. So it's been a lo- an ongoing thing that the Bills needed a new stadium. I think everybody knew that. And they released some renderings, and my God, does this look fantastic. Dude, I like it looks like a stadium that would be filmed in a movie. Like, have you ever watched the movie Draft Day and they show Cleveland Browns Stadium that looks a lot better on that movie than it does in person? But this this Bills Stadium, let me tell you, extraordinary. Yeah, it gives me like European soccer stadium vibes. I love like the, um, it's almost like that like mesh top where you can see into the stadium a little bit in the right light. You got the brick fixtures over the entrances. It's it's huge. The inside looks fantastic on these renderings. Like uh, you got the jumbotrons on each side. I, I absolutely love how this looks. Obviously, look, it never turns out this way. It's just not how it's gonna go, but. Everything in these renderings is fantastic. Hopes are high, and we might be taking a trip to Buffalo soon. Yeah, well, let's make sure it's early in the season. I'm not trying to get snowed in. <laughs> yeah, we're Georgia boys. We don't do too well with the snow. Yeah, we freak out over an inch. Yes, uh, you'll cancel school for like a quarter of an inch. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some draft, man. It's coming up. It's creeping up quickly. Uh, pro days are almost... Like coming to an end, uh, right now as it sits on FanDuel Sportsbook, the odds to be the number one overall pick go as C.J. Stroud favored at minus two seventy. Once again, it's got to be C.J. Stroud to me. But you know, I got a Bama fan that I'm talking to right now, so maybe he thinks it's Bryce Young, who's at plus two thirty, and then Anthony Richardson at plus eight hundred. What is your take on this, Colin? Because I don't think we've talked about this extensively. You know, believe it or not, I, I agree with you. I think C.J. Stroud is going to go number one just because I feel like um, organization is scared that Bryce Young is too small to be the future of their organization, which I hate people saying that, but I think that they are more confident in C.J. Stroud to take the hits and not get hurt. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think C.J. Stroud is just built better for the NFL. I, When I watch them play, I really like what I see out of C.J. Stroud. Of course, I think Bryce Young plays fantastic. He is a fantastic quarterback. C.J. Stroud, like watching him against Georgia in that semifinal game this year, looked ridiculously good. He's so poised. He never, like, he's not afraid to move around in the pocket, but if he doesn't have to, he's not going to. He's not afraid of pressure, and that's what makes him so damn good. It's like 
it doesn't matter if there's hands in his face. It doesn't matter if there's a, a lineman coming full speed at him on his blind side. He's going to stand in there. He's going to complete the pass. Yeah, he's he's calm under pressure. Um, and I, th- <laughs> I laughed when I thought about this. I think Carolina is just scared that they're going to end up with someone like Kyler Murray. That That's, just can't that just can't stay on the field. That is a, a very normal concern. I I wouldn't blame them whatsoever for being afraid of Bryce Young being like Kyler Murray. But I will say this: a hundred percent, Bryce Young has the best pocket awareness out of all the QBs in this draft. And even though he's not going number one, I think Bryce Young will have a better career than CJ Stroud. Ah, there's the Bama fan. Listen, man, don't hate that. Listen, you know I love fo- I love football. That's just my take. All right, man. Whatever. All right, well, he let's w- talk about Bryce Young, then. Because he participated in Alabama's Pro Day, of course. Uh, he chose not to weigh in at the Pro Day, so he's going to stick with his 204 pounds from the Combine. Probably a matter of he weighed in that morning. He was like, oh, shit, I'm 198. And, <laughs> and then Nick Saban was interviewed uh, I believe it was on NFL Network. He was asked about Bryce's size and said, I don't have any issues issues with his measurables. He's never been hurt here other than when he hurt himself, basically falling down and put his arm out. His 5'10 frame has never really had an impact on his productivity. And I agree with that. But that's in college football. It, it's a whole different game. Whether you you know play at the SEC level or not, the NFL is the best of the best. And yeah, maybe Bryce Young didn't get hurt when you guys played against uh, Utah State. Like, duh. But I don't know. I, I feel like his his frame is going to be a problem. There's no way to avoid that. Yeah, but you got to think about this. So in practices at Bama, you're going against that defensive line that's averaging about 320 on the line coming at you full speed. And I'm watching Nick Saban's practices. He doesn't care if you're the first string quarterback, you're going up against the first string defensive line and you got to learn how to play. So I think that set him up well for the NFL, but we'll just have to see. Cause like you said, it's a completely different game from NFL to college. It's faster. It's bigger. You just got to step up and live the moment. Yeah. Cause look, every one of those guys, was that guy in college, you know, for the most part. And look, when Bryce Young has to face up with, you know, some of the best defensive ends or the best defensive tackles in the NFL, it it might just not work. Like, it might not go well. We'll just have to see. But, you know, in the meantime, Bryce is meeting with a bunch of teams. Interestingly enough, he met with the Seahawks, um, which I think they pick a little bit low to be getting him because – no matter what, Bryce Young is going to be a top three quarterback, at least. And there's three teams picking ahead of him. So I don't see any reason why the Seahawks really needed to interview him, but they did. And the thing that I really don't know why they had to do was take a selfie with him because Seattle's been doing this throughout the offseason. They also did this with C.J. Stroud, and I absolutely hate it. There's not a single time in my life where I'm going to be like, you know what I need to see? A selfie with Pete Carroll in the background and a bunch of other like assistant coaches and shit and like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud like awkwardly smiling in the front. Yeah, it's 
And let me tell you, Pete Carroll, he's seen better days. He's, he's looking, he's looking a little rough, but like, honestly, I would not mind Bryce Young in Seattle because I feel like he could learn a lot from Geno Smith because they have a very similar play type. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that that would be a good place for. It. I think. Any quarterback that gets drafted by the Seahawks is going to be in a fantastic spot. Obviously, you have fantastic coaching around you. Geno Smith ahead of you, who I think that a quarterback could learn a ton from Geno Smith. A guy who, you know, he's journeyman a little bit, not as much as many others, but just a guy that's been around the league. He didn't get really a fair opportunity until this past year, and... He seized it, and and that's what these young guys are looking for. This is their first opportunity. They have to get experience, and having a guy just around you that understands what it's like to maybe not get your first opportunity, or you know maybe your first opportunity doesn't go great. He has fantastic things to say. It just you know as an example of his career. Yeah, and one thing I'm scared of is Bryce Young. In Houston, learning from the great Davis Mills. Yeah, tons of experience. Listen, man, those numbers Mills put up, Bryce Young, good luck. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Because they've made some improvements to that team. So uh, I do want to talk about Stetson Bennett. This man has been busy. Uh, tons of private visits, workouts, uh, 10 different teams uh, in the past couple of weeks since the Combine. Obviously, Stetson Bennett winning two consecutive national titles with Georgia was a Heisman finalist last season. I don't think there is a single possibility that he sneaks into the first. Um, you know, maybe a team's gonna get uh, gonna really like him and pick him in the second. Realistically, I think he's a third round guy, but I kind of think he's he might be a gem in this draft. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking the same thing, like third, maybe push the toward the early fourth um, just because he's got a lot of upside and how can you not be excited uh, about someone who plays with so much passion and like coming from me an Alabama fan, man, I hated him in college. Absolutely hated him, but he is a fantastic football player. I, could, um, I would love to see him at like third round, 76th overall pick to the Patriots. Well, see, I, I would like to see him go to Minnesota. Hmm, I like and, that. And learn from Kirk Cousins, and then you immediately have Dalvin Cook and Jay Jettas to pair him up with, set him up for success. Yeah, uh, that's a fantastic move, too. There's a bunch of teams where he would fit in so well as a backup quarterback. Yeah, and like, cause say you put him in Minnesota, you got a lot of defenses that are focused on Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. And now that Adam Thielen's gone, it's going to be all on Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson as well. But Stetson's a runner as well. He likes to use his legs. And when you put a QB like that in that situation, that can set up for a very explosive offense. Yeah, I think that there's huge upside to having Stetson Bennett on your team. You know, whether that be the like, yeah, maybe he just is going to be a backup. But if your guy goes down, I'd like to have Stetson Bennett in there. I'd like to see Stetson stay off the uh, the field. Yeah, I know. 
right, so we'll break this down real quick. So the teams with the most picks right now for the draft, got the Texans and Raiders at 12, fewest picks being the Dolphins with four, uh, multiple firsts. That's going to be the Texans, Seahawks, Lions, Eagles. Teams with no first-round picks, the Browns, Broncos, Rams, 49ers, and Dolphins. And then the most picks in the top 100, the Lions, Seahawks, and Texans at five. The fewest top 100 picks are the 49ers with one. So I want to get your take on the teams with no firsts, being Browns, Broncos, Rams, 49ers, Dolphins. So obviously the Browns don't have one uh, from the Deshaun Watson trade. Broncos don't have one from the Russell Wilson trade. Rams, Matthew Stafford. Uh, 49ers, I believe, was Christian McCaffrey. And then the Dolphins got theirs taken away uh, due to an investigation. So what team here needs that first overall pick the most? Well, really, you're sitting like the Browns and the Broncos are what I believe need that first round the most. The Browns... There's a lot of reasons why this that org is, that organization needs to get it together. Because um, you got Nick Chubb on offense and Deshaun Watson, who hasn't got it back into full gear yet. Yeah, it was good to see him back. He struggled a lot. But you need that first round to add to the team. Like, you need an elite wide receiver. You, yeah, you got Amari Cooper, but... I mean, coming from a Bama fan, I trust me, it's going to last only so long. Um, and then the Broncos, it's just that team deals with so much injuries. It's I just think those are the two teams that need that first-round pick. Yeah, I think that you're kind of overlooking the Rams here because the Rams need a lot of things right now. Look, Matthew Stafford's getting up there in age. Obviously, the big injury last year. Cooper Cup, he's coming off of a surgery. You've got tons and tons of other guys on the team that were out with injury, a bunch of guys that have left since the Super Bowl. And I feel like the Rams, like even with everybody coming back healthy next year, are still not in a good spot. You just got to believe in Bryce Perkins, man. <laughs> you just got to believe. <laughs> he's going to lead them to a Super Bowl. Just wait. Yeah, let's go park. <laughs> but no, I, I I agree with you. Uh, I definitely overlooked the Rams because um, they are in dire need of some help as well. All right, Colin, I want to get a couple of takes off you, okay? All right. I want to know who are a couple of guys that you either really like in the first round or maybe some guys you could see jumping up the board, possibly into the first round. Um, any guys in particular that you're a huge fan of that might be getting overlooked in the first? So first one, I'm going Peter Skronsky, uh from Northwestern. I think he is a phenomenal uh, guard. And I, I think he could go higher with some of the teams that need help on the O-line, like working with the, the Bears. Like right now I'm looking at this draft. It shows Paris Johnson going over Peter. I honestly, I would flip it because I definitely like Peter Skronsky. Just watching him in college, he is a lot more agile. And I feel like is more NFL ready and is going to have a 
faster impact on a team than Paris Johnson. And then, of course, there's Van Ness, defensive end from Iowa. I think with Brandon Graham not being around, he's not going to be around much longer. Really, I feel like if he he's sitting right now going to the Eagles, and I feel like that's a fantastic pick for the Eagles because he is overlooked with all the big names in the draft. Like Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, I think Van Ness is – Definitely, I think he is better than him. Oh yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I like Tyree Wilson. A bunch of people have him slated to go to the Falcons. I kind of hope it doesn't go that way. Yeah, I, I don't want that. And then, of course, you know, I'm, one guy I'm really stoked on is Will Anderson. I feel like him sitting at three to the Cardinals is 100 percent what's going to happen. Especially like all. The like publicity on Jalen Carter had him, I think, drops a little bit, not out of the first round. But Will Anderson is definitely going to be the first defensive player to be taken. Yeah, I, I really so, like that. Yeah, those. I think he's going to. There won't be that much of a difference. I think he's going to have an impact right away. Yeah, I certainly agree with you. Uh, a couple of the guys that I really like that are kind of getting overlooked, um, n- not as much overlooked as much as they're just good players that aren't really being talked about all that much. Um, first, Miles Murphy from Clemson. I feel like I'm not hearing his name enough. The guy is absolutely fantastic. Um, I think he should be going at six to the Lions. Um, the mock draft I'm looking at right now uh, has him going to the Falcons at eight. I think he's better than Tyree Wilson. Um, we just talked about uh, Van Ness. I think he's better than Tyree Wilson. I don't see Tyree Wilson going in the top 10. I, I just, I can't personally say it. But then again, the mock draft I'm looking at has Hendon Hooker going at five uh, and Anthony Richardson going at 11. So I don't know what this guy is talking about. But I, I, I really do like, um, <clears throat> sorry, I really do like Miles Murphy. Another guy that I really, really like in this first round is Joey Porter Jr. Uh, out of Penn State, the corner. I could see him going significantly higher than the 20s. Um, I could certainly see him probably... I want to put him over Christian Gonzalez. Um, I don't think I personally just could, just morals-wise. I don't think I could do that. But I feel like there's a bunch of teams that could use secondary help I'd probably say the Steelers would be the perfect pick. Joey Porter Sr., of course, spent ton a ton of time with the Steelers. Um, and I like him a little bit more than Devin Witherspoon uh, out of Illinois. I just I like the experience that Joey Porter Jr. has, and I'm a big fan of the son of a player and playing this like a similar position going to the, the team that they played for. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. And another name we're sort of forgetting right now is Michael Mayer, tied in at Notre Dame. And I know you're not very high on Notre Dame players, but this dude is a stud. Like, yeah, the numbers he put up in college football and then his combine numbers were very impressive. And right now he's slated to go 26 to the Cowboys. And 
uh, what's his name? Dalton Schultz leaving that would be a great pick. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic spot for him. And then what, any guys that maybe are floating between first and second round that you think deserve a first round pick? Um, well, I could tell you someone who I think that isn't, uh, stated to go in the first round that I think should drop later. Yeah. Is Jameer Gibbs. Agreed. From Bama. I just, I don't see him in, a, in the first round. Like right now, he's late first round of the Saints, but he's very similar to Alvin Kamara. And I just, I think the Saints need to work away from that. Yeah. Um, and Jameer Gibbs, I just, I, I'm just, I was never too high on him. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. So the one that I'm looking at right now has him going to the Bills at 27, and I think that's first of all horrible. Um, they, the Bills have James Cook, Damian Harris, Naheem Hines. They don't need another running back like that. That's exactly what James Cook does. They're very similar running backs. I would say James Cook is possibly better. And then, uh, like the only way I see Jameer Gibbs going in the first round is if the Eagles go running back at 30, because. Bijan's going to be off the board, and the easy pick there would be Jamar Gibbs. Yeah, or, sorry, but if Gibbs. you like the Eagles, like you're saying, uh, Jameer Gibbs is so much similar to like the Bills, like Naeem Himes and James Cook. It's the same thing in Philly, like Boston and Kenneth Gainwell, very similar play styles to Jameer Gibbs. Like they run. 50%, they catch 50%. But a lot of Jameer Gibbs is based more on the catching part. Yeah, I, I think that he's extremely skilled out, out of the backfield. That's why I said he doesn't fit in Buffalo, because I think that's where James Cook really excels. But I, I could see him still going to the Eagles and just kind of pushing Boston Scott out of the lineup again. It's just you know what he does. But... Uh, another guy I want to talk about, uh, I think he could certainly jump into the top is, and, and I tried to say this guy's name a couple of weeks ago at the combine. It's Adetomiwa Adebaware from Northwestern. Uh, defensive lineman, I believe he's an edge rusher. The guy is a freak. He's huge, first of all, super fast, but he's light on his feet. Like light on his feet for a big guy, agile, athletic. Did, uh, he had a fantastic like three cone drill as well. Like the guy is a beast, and he certainly deserves a first round pick. Maybe he goes to the Eagles at thirty. Maybe jumps up a little bit higher. Uh, there's not a ton of pass rush interest other than like the Seahawks at twenty, but I, I feel like. He deserves a first-round pick. He looked phenomenal in the combine. He was a great player at Northwestern. Yeah, I I agree with you. The dude's a freak on the field. All right. Uh, and I was going to talk about Hennon Hooker, but it seems like people have him jumping way up into the first round. Just over the last couple of weeks, I've been seeing him all over first-round mock drafts. So initially, I thought he was going to be like an early second maybe mid-second, but I've been seeing mock drafts with him in the top 20. So I think that 
he could end up being like a Jordan Love type pick if nobody takes him early, like 23 to the Vikings, 29 to the Saints would be a spot for Hendon Hooker. I don't know if he's worth going super high in the draft. Like he's, I think he's 25 years old already. I don't, I don't like drafting an old quarterback early in the first round. Yeah, I, and this is, this is wild for me to say. I think he goes after Stetson. I think Stetson gets really off the board before Hendon. Uh, but one thing we can look at is Hendon's teammate, Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. I I could see him jumping up higher. Like right now, he's I think he's projected early second round. Um, but first wide receiver off the board, Quentin Johnson. I don't know, man. I really like Zay Flowers to be the first wide receiver off the board. Out of Boston College, kid put on 13 pounds of muscle in like a couple of weeks leading up to the combine. That's ridiculous. The guy is just a beast. He's strong, um, like a strong pass catcher. I kind of like him better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I don't know. I could see maybe sneaking up to 11 for the Titans, but you know, a couple of mock drafts, really everybody's disagreeing on where the Titans are going. I think the obvious thing to do is get a wide receiver, and I really like Zay Flowers. Yeah, and then you also have Jordan Addison, who's sitting late first yeah. round, um, which I believe the Giants are going to go for a wide receiver in the first round as well, um, just to help stack up with uh, Danny Dimes and then also um, Paris Campbell. You need to have someone else and stop relying on Saquon Barkley. Yeah, agreed. All right. Anything else you want to talk draft wise? Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm ready for it to get underway, see some action on draft day. Yeah, it's always super fun. Let's talk about just really just two things right now in college football. Not too much is going on. Uh, it looks like college football wants to wants the NFL to create a minor league system that will provide college football players with an alternative to a real commitment to learning. Or sorry. Uh, will provide them with an alternative to a real commitment to learning. So I don't know how you feel about this. I don't like it. No, I I'm right there with you. I, I don't think that is going to work out. Yeah. uh, Like a minor league system in theory works. I just Just not in college. Well, and so it'd be, I believe through the NFL. So, you play college football, you go, you know, undrafted, or you go super late, and then they put you in the minors or whatever. Like, that just, I don't get it. Just, there's enough guys on an NFL roster, plus the practice squad. I, I don't see a use in having a minor league system. Like, yeah, the, you know, put them on a field, let them play a game. It, it's not, I don't think it's what we're looking for. Yeah, and I, I agree with that just because, like you said, you already have so many people on your roster on the field, and then you have the practice squad. That Basically what they're trying to do, that's what a practice squad is for. If you're on the practice squad, you're there to learn to where you can someday make the roster. But I just don't see a minor league system working out in football. Yeah. Like, you I, got you got the CFL, you got the XFL. Like – if, if, you, if you ain't playing in the NFL, just go there. 
yeah, there's other places to play. I don't think a minor league system would work, especially with how much money these franchises already have invested. Because I, I like, are they going to make affiliates? Because that would be, you know, kind of a, an interesting situation. But yeah, I don't know because, like, with practice squad guys, they're getting cut and signed, you know, every week. And if you have a minor league system, you're kind of forced to keep these guys. Yeah, it's it's wasted money, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. All right, I'm going to pose this question to you. So what team, excluding your favorite team, when in title contention makes college football, quote-unquote, better? Just, you know, a better product for the people. So I, I've been thinking about this probably since I got off work. And really, when I think about it, USC, I like when they're fighting for the title. Just because it's been a minute since we've seen USC be good. In the past couple of years, I've really enjoyed watching them, especially this past year with Caleb Williams and seeing what he could do with the team. Um, But I just feel like when they're playing good, it's exciting because you got someone, they're not coming from the ACC, the SEC. Um, I like teams outside of those two conferences putting up a fight against like your powerhouse, Alabama powerhouse, Ohio state and teams like that. Yeah. I think outside of just USC, just a PAC 12 team in general, USC, Oregon, like those two, even like Stanford in their heyday, like teams like that. It's fun because it's almost like a whole different kind of culture that we're not used to. Look like SEC, football it just like the south in general plus like the midwest with the big 10 like it's obvious that people watch that but west coast football is um like it's so exciting to watch usc or oregon or washington play super well yeah and like when we were little watching oregon marcus mariota that was exciting to watch but then also this past year you got Tulane, who's putting up fantastic games, beating USC. Like, I had a lot of fun watching them. Yeah, I, I do love seeing a group of five school play super well. Obviously, Cincinnati, that one didn't quite work out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, when you, we see, like, a UCF, they go undefeated, you know, we won the national title, whatever. Like, that stuff's awesome. I love to see group of five schools succeed. But I do want to get back to this Pac-12 thing because you brought up Marcus Mariota. One of my favorite college football quarterbacks ever was Jake Browning from Washington. Oh, yeah. Lit that up guy the college was football field. so good. Yeah, that I, – I remember, what is it, on our PS3 when they had NCAA and – you could use a QB because they couldn't use the names, but you use a QB just like him and just lighting up the field. Yeah. Just watching him just tear up defenses, burning cornerbacks, and then just escaping the pocket and just making defenses look stupid. Yeah, it's so much fun. But one other thing I want to bring up, and I know this kind of involves my team, but I feel like any of the big three in Florida being in title contention is entertaining. 
Miami, Florida, Florida State, of course. Um, even if you took out Florida State because they're my team. Florida and Miami are exciting programs. I hate Florida. I hate Miami. But they, they you know, make college football a better product when they're very good. Yeah, and, like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I can't stand the Gators. I got Gator fans in my family, and I talk crap every time I see them. But, like, even when Tebow was quarterback, I enjoyed watching him just because it was a fun program to watch at the time. I hate the program, but it, like I said, they're, they're fun to watch. Yeah, uh, I love it. Any other teams you want before we get into the MLB? Um, I mean, I enjoyed seeing Tennessee do well. It's been a while since they did well. Yeah, like, I think it, that any team in the East playing well just helps because like with how Georgia is right now, you love to see another team in the East at least try and contend. Yeah, exactly. Like next year, am I would I be ecstatic to see like a Mizzou come out of nowhere? Absolutely. <laughs> is it gonna not. happen? Absolutely not. Yeah, that that one's not happening. Maybe Vandy. Oh yeah. AJ Swan. Step it up, baby. Oh God. Yeah, we're not talking about AJ Swan. We we gave him enough shine, me and Brock did during the season. That's enough. All right, let's get into the MLB, though. Uh, I put together, and I believe Colin put together a list of guys, right? Yeah. Okay, so we've each got five guys that are ones to watch this season. Colin, let's go ahead and hear your first one. First one, and I've been saying ever since I saw it, Jordan Walker, 20 years old, made the opening day roster. The dude's a freak on the diamond. And... And he's he has the best hands for a swing that I've seen in a while. And that's going back. Uh, so he's from Georgia, Decatur. I went down to Glen Academy for a baseball tournament, and he was playing the game right before me. The dude was like 6'3 at the time. And first, he batted leadoff. First pitch of the game, double off the top of the wall. And as soon as, like, the ball hit the wall, he was already, like, getting ready close to second. And it was just ridiculous. So, Jordan Walker. Yeah, I, I think he's fantastic. I, he doesn't really have a spot in the infield right now, which kind of sucks. But, I think he plays outfield. Yeah, I think they're going to put him in the corner. He could certainly play it. He's got the arm for sure. And... Yeah, I think he'll definitely be a fun player to watch. Hopefully, he gets into that starting lineup pretty quickly. Yeah, it's I'm definitely excited, especially if you have an outfield of him and left, Tyler O'Neill in center, and Lars Newport in right. Love it. All right, my guy is Vinny Pasquantino, captain of Team Italy, first baseman for the Kansas City Royals. The guy has a fantastic hit tool. He, honestly, and I heard this um, from uh, Foolish Baseball, he said, uh, I think he was on one of the John Boy podcasts, he said that Vinny Pasquantino can do everything that Freddie Freeman can at the plate, and I couldn't agree more. They're, they, they're similar in just their approach at the plate. They can take a walk. They can hit for power. They can hit for contact, hit to the opposite field. Like, Vinny Pasquantino is certainly a guy that we need to watch and like possibly an all-star this season. That's how serious I am about how good he's going to be. Yeah, and like, don't like people cannot discredit his defense because he has gold glove material over there at first base. 
like if it's in his range, it's not getting past him. Yeah, he's ridiculous and he's huge. All right, your second guy. All right. You ready for this? Yeah. Jared Schuster. I like it. The dude, ridiculous this spring training. And him earning that starting rotation spot, I think, what is he sitting in the, he's sitting in the four spot right now and Dodd sitting five? I think it's actually going to be him at three. Um, I think it's, Morton's probably going to be five. Um, just kind of from the way it sits, poss- I believe they uh, called back up Ian Anderson. Um, so, yeah, I, I hate that move. But uh, I think Morton will sit at five um, and Schuster will I move like up. I like that because you got the uh, lefty-righty-lefty offset right there with uh, Freed, right and Schuster. Because one thing with us last year, we were very – I think was it Freed was the only lefty. And uh, so, yeah. So after Freed, teams were just stacking their lineups with right hand heavy or uh, left hand heavy. And I, I like, I like seeing the Southpaw on the mound and Schuster's, Schuster's two seam might be one of the best on, as a lefty in the league. Yeah. The, the kids got ridiculous stuff. And I think him, you know, like you see Max Freed game one of a series and okay, you know, a lot of off speed, good ground ball stuff, but can also strike you out. And then you get Spencer Strider who, you know, just saying this because Kyle Wright is out at the moment. You get Strider, blows it by you. Right-handed, huge change of pace for Max Freed. And then you go kind of back to that Max Freed style of pitching with Jared Schuster, but I uh, I haven't seen too much of Schuster, but he does throw harder than Max Freed, right? Yes. Okay, so he, yeah, he's got a, he's a flamethrower. He's got great off speed. You were just talking about the two seam. That three in the rotation, like that first three, is ridiculous. As long as Schuster, you know, is ready to pitch at the MLB level. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to pull up his. Yeah, so like his, as a southpaw on the mound, he's six three two ten. Um, and sits. Look at the splits, really. Uh, about ninety four to ninety five. Yeah, so kind of similar to Max Freed's speed, a little bit higher, but yeah, I I think that he could certainly be an impact player this year. I don't know if he's going to be like rookie of the year material. I don't know if he'll you know have a season like Spencer Strider did, but I, I certainly think that he could be. Pushing for you know a, a runner-up third place in uh, rookie of the year if he pitches well. Yeah, agreed. All right, my second guy, and, and this one might sound stupid to say that he's a one to watch, but Wander Franco. We've this has got to be it. Like this has got to be the year where it's like holy shit. Like this is the guy that we've been talking about because yeah. you know year one you didn't get the full year. Year two a little bit of injury, but really just didn't play well overall. If he has a full healthy season, like we haven't seen what Wander Franco's, you know, ceiling is in the MLB. Like I think his floor is a lot higher than most people realize. Like the guy is ridiculously good. He's above average to great in the field. 
and he is just ridiculously good at the plate. We just need to see it over the course of 162 games. Yeah, and I remember before he was even before he was in the MLB, there was so much hype around him, and I'm still like excited to know that I haven't seen it yet because it's coming. Whether yeah. it's this upcoming year or the year after, he is bound for a breakout season, and it is going to be amazing. Yeah, the, the guy's absolutely ridiculous. Colin, who you got? Who's your third? My third right now is um, uh, his teammate, Brennan Lau. Mm. Farmer boy. <laughs> the dude is one of the most consistent left-handed hitters in the AL when it comes to it. And he has a phenomenal glove. And he can really play anywhere in the field. He can play second, short, third, center, any outfield position. He can play anything besides first and catcher, which, I mean, I'm, he probably played that at some point. But the dude sits around 285 to 300 batting average and double-digit home runs every year. The dude swings a hot stick, and he is very important for Tampa Bay to get going and make postseason runs. Yeah, he was fantastic in the year that they got to the World Series. Just a ridiculously good player. And obviously last year was a down year. Uh, only batted two twenty one, only eight homers. It's not kind of what we expected from him. You'd like to see his OPS definitely above 700. But, um, you know, a, a guy that certainly could have an OPS, you know, pushing 850 every season. And... He's just fantastic all around. He's got a solid glove like you were talking about. He can really play anywhere in the field. He can hit for average. He can hit for power. Like The guy can be a fantastic addition. You just, I have to see it again. Because after last year, I certainly have doubts. It seems like guys have his number at this point. Yeah, and I just realized I got him mixed up with Joey Wendell when I said farmer boy. Yes. Joe, Joey Wendell that. is the definition of a farm. Yeah. Yeah. No batting gloves. But now I'm, I got a lot of high hopes for Brandon Lau. I know he can turn around and I know the type of ball player he is. I, I'm very excited for him. I think this is going to be a great year for him. All right. My next guy Another shortstop, O'Neill Cruz. I think that there is a lot to see here because I genuinely question him at a lot of points throughout this past season. Just the entire sample size of O'Neill Cruz because he does these fantastic things like hitting the hardest hit ball in StatCast history. Um, he can throw a ball like 105 across the diamond. He's ridiculous. It just seems like he can't do it consistently. He's either striking out a ton or he's getting errors in the field. Like he can't do it all at the same time. And it makes me question how, you know, he can show off every couple months, but is that going to keep him on an MLB roster? 
Yeah, but the dude, like you're saying, the dude's a freak. Um, with this full year coming up, he's got a lot to prove. Like you said, um, I feel like if he can control his factors outside of the diamond, he's gonna have a fantastic year. He's just got to stay out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Who's your fourth guy? All right. And so this guy, I'm not looking at him to do well. I think he's going to have a very bad year, and I think you know who I'm talking about. And there's no hate to this guy. I don't blame him for anything he did, but it's Dansby Swanson. <laughs> it's fine like, by me. Going to Chicago, I mean, what, they got Eric Hosmer at first, right? Uh, I believe so. They've got Cody Bellinger in the outfield. But Dansby Swanson, I mean, he had – his energy was always up. He had so much fun in Atlanta, and he was playing without a single worry. So this year, after a fantastic year last year, he is – he's got a lot of eyes on him. Chicago brought him over because they think he is the guy for them. Yeah, but they, they somehow think he's worth the money they paid him. That was ridiculous, dude. I don't even want to go into that. But when you're shortstop, you you're the captain of the the infield. But when you're throwing at guys like Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson, it's a very different from Eric Hosmer. Yeah, I think I think it might have been two years ago. Eric Hosmer led first base in errors. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't put him past him to do it again. Because, like, he's he's just not it. Like, there's probably 20 first basemen I take before him. And that's saying something, because Eric Hosmer was a big name, especially with the Royals. Like, he, at that time, was one of my favorite first basemen. But he's just gone downhill so quick. I just don't think Chicago is going to be the answer for Dansby Swanson. Yeah, I think they, you know, going sort of long-term, high money, guys get comfortable. And I certainly think that the only reason Dansby Swanson had such a good year was that it was a contract year. That's just how, how it works it, it, across every sport. If you have a contract year, you're going to try your hardest to show out. That's exactly what he did last season. He got the money, but is he going to try as hard? You know, does he have the right things around him? Because, look, the, I'm not trying to be biased. The Braves have a fantastic coaching staff. And, you know, working with Ron Washington is unrivaled as an infielder. You can't work with a better infield coach. And Brian Snickers, a fantastic manager. You've got coaches all over that dugout that know what they're doing, and they have worked with so many fantastic players. How are you just going to expect that – you have one good year, and you're just going to be successful somewhere else. I don't know, because I, if I played in Atlanta, and I know as a kid I grew up wanting to be a Brave, if, if Ron Washington's my infield coach, I don't want anybody else. It's not going to get better than that. Yeah, like, look, with Freddie's situation, it was like, okay, he, he knows everything he needs to know. He doesn't need any more work. Dansby still needs work. He's like, as much as he makes flashy plays in the infield, 
He's got to work on the consistency at shortstop. And with the you know, no shift, like the shift rules and everything, it really does affect second base and shortstop a lot. So he's going to have to adjust to that. Obviously, you know, new state, you know, new division, new whatever. It's a big change for Dancy Swanson, and he's finally getting paid. I just, I don't know how much I believe in him going forward. Yeah, and now you gotta, you gotta face Corbin Burns. Yeah, but I will say, if he is good at shortstop, him and Nico Horner are gonna be a fantastic duo. Yeah, and probably sitting what one two in the lineup. Probably, yeah. That's that can be good if their sticks are alive. Yeah, but Dansby is known for having that slump and yeah, being and cold he, for like half of a season. Yeah. And trying to go, especially at Wrigley, he's gonna try to go yard so much. Yeah, but I don't know. I wish the dude luck. I just don't think it's gonna happen. All right. Well, my fourth guy uh, was also my NL Cy Young pick, Zach Gallon. I I really like Zach Gallon. I have for a couple of years. Last year was certainly a down year. Prior to that, never went over three in the ERA category. The guy is ridiculously efficient on the mound. He can easily get into the seventh just about every start. He doesn't give up a ton of runs, doesn't give up a ton of hits, and he's just a, a solid all-around pitcher. I certainly think he can be one of one of the best in the MLB this season. You good? Yeah, I, I had to sneeze, and I was just trying not to do it, and I was trying to mute my <laughs> mic in time. But yes, continue about Zach Gallon. Yeah, like, the, the dude's exciting, and the glass is definitely set up an intimidation factor. Oh, sorry. But uh, the dude's got nasty stuff, and I, I something's brewing out there in Arizona, let me tell you. Like, it, that's going to be a franchise, an organization, that is going to be fun to watch in like two years. I don't think it's going to be this year, but there's definitely, if you're a Diamondback fan, you got to be excited about what your front office is doing right now. Dude, uh, if anybody heard my uh, awards predictions for next year, I have the Diamondbacks with the Cy Young, with, with Zach Gallon. I've got the Rookie of the Year with Corbin Carroll and the Manager of the Year. I think this team is going to be very good this year. They're not like a World Series contender. I certainly think they can make the playoffs. They're definitely going to have more than 40 wins, which is like what they usually sit around. It's fair. But uh, no, I definitely, I'd, I like that Zach Gallon pick. I think he's definitely, definitely going to have a fantastic year pushing for that side, yo. All right. Who's your last guy, Colin? Dude, it was so hard. I was trying to go between these two. I'm just going to say the two, and then I'm just going to talk about one. So first, I got Chris Taylor with the Dodgers. And then second, I got Bobby Witt Jr. So I'm going to talk about Chris Taylor because I feel like... what So 2022 was a down year for him. But after putting a... What is it? Four-year, I think it was 60 million contract last offseason, yep. his OPS dropped over 100 points. Um, 
and he was like he would have like a couple like I, I remember the three home run games but then he would have like five straight over four games with three strikeouts but I feel like so now he he's going to be an everyday player for the Dodgers I feel like if he cuts back on the strikeouts he is going to have such a positive impact on the team especially with Gavin Lux, his injury, Chris Taylor is going to play more shortstop. Yeah. Than just playing in the outfield from what he's used to. And I I saw even that uh, Dave Roberts said Mookie Betts is going to be playing more second base. I love that. There's nothing better. I think Mookie Betts is a very good second baseman. Yeah. But you're telling me that your middle infield is going to be Chris Taylor and Mookie Betts? That is... I would never think that that would be a major league infield. No, definitely not. Like that makes a great left field center field or right field center field, but not second short. Yeah. that's. (laughs) uh, All right. Well, that's a fantastic way for me to talk about my last one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My last guy, it's his first season in America. Um, Shintaro Fujinami. With the Oakland Athletics. Starting pitcher. Guy 6'6", 180. Uh, similar style to Shohei on the mound. Flamethrower. Like, the guy is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I can't find any of his uh, Japanese league stats. Let me see, actually. I, I might be able to. Oh, here we go. Okay, so... The, the guy, first of all, ridiculous. And... um. He's got fantastic stuff. Uh, I believe he's got a five-pitch mix as a starter. He, once again, he throws hard as shit. Great friends with Shohei, which I love. I just, I feel like there is a huge market right now for Japanese players, and I think Shintaro Fujinami is kind of the next one. I Obviously, I know uh, a couple of guys signed over the offseason, um, like Kodai Senga uh, with the Mets. And I'm blanking on the guy's name that signed for the Red Sox, but um, there there is a ton of Japanese players coming to the MLB and just absolutely, you know, they're kind of slated to just take over. And I think that Fujinami or uh, Shintaro Fujinami is definitely a guy to watch this season because look, the Oakland A's they got nothing to lose. They're starting Kyle Muller on opening day, so you know. Shintaro is going to get his opportunity. Yeah, and I think, uh, was it Yoshida that was to the Red Sox? Yes, yeah. Uh, is it Masataka Yoshida? Is that right? Masataka Yoshida? Yeah. Yeah, that that was a phenomenal pickup for the Red Sox. Yeah, uh, I just, but, I absolutely love how many players are coming from Japan. Yeah, especially watching Japan take down that WBC. Yeah. Woo. But what a, that was the best ending to the world baseball classic that I, that you could put together. Yeah. Shohei certainly. striking out Mike Trout. Nasty. Yeah. They, but they couldn't no, have I, written a better script. I totally agree with you. Um, he's going to impact that A's organization. Um, almost instantly. And if, if you're like, I, I don't know. I've, said this about a couple organizations if you're if you're an ace fan you got to be excited because losing 
what losing Chris Davis, Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, uh, Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman, Sean Manaya, Manaya. Um, just about everybody's gone. Is what you're exactly. Saying. Marcus Simeon. Yep. It's like it's like Moneyball all over again. Yeah, it's just that I certainly don't think they're making the playoffs. Hey, don't sleep, bro. Kyle Muller, Cy Young. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we saw him with the Braves. He deserves to be in Oakland right now. Yeah, but you know, you know what happens when you leave the ATL. You do better. That's true. That does happen a lot. And the battery there with Kyle Muller and Shea Langliers. Yeah. All right. The only oh the only the only thing I can think about is when Colby Allard left and went to Texas. Yeah. Not very good. But hey, he's he's back, right? Yeah, he is back. Uh I, I don't think we're gonna see him much, but he is yeah. he's there. Um probably not. All right, let's talk about these Brave City Connect jerseys. I, I kind of want to get your take on these because I might have the opposite take. I'm, I'm not really. I think they could. I they're a good look, but I just don't. I think we could have done a lot better. Um, and I think it's very close to our retro, and I like I like the whole thing basing it around Hank Aaron. I just think there's so much more that we could have done. Because the ATL is a very special city. Um, I probably would have went away from the throwbacks. Like a different color. But I like them, but we could have done better. Yeah, I, I really like the intricacies of the whole uniform. Uh, the keep swinging um, with the number 44. Um on the jersey right above like the MLB patch uh, on the like left side of the stomach. Uh, the keep swinging on the bottom of the brim of the hat. I, I love that. And um, them changing up the, the sleeve from the feather to a crown for Hank Aaron. Um, that's fantastic. They got the uh, 715 um, on the inside of the neck. Like I, I like the intricacies. I do agree with you though. I think we could have done better with the jersey. I love the hat. I I might buy that hat. But oh yeah, a hundred percent. The just like the, the A, like that's all you did. It, essentially, the rest of this uniform is just the nineteen seventy four throwback. Yeah, it's like there's just so much around Atlanta that you could have done better. I think. Maybe they were scared of doing too much like some of the other cities because some of the other Connect jerseys are yeah, absolutely horrendous. Wild. I think one of my favorites is Miami's, though. Yeah, Miami's is fantastic. I really like <laughs> the Diamondbacks one, the Serpientes one. Yeah, that, that's sick. <clears throat> yeah, I, like, uh, I just, I don't like how minor of a change it is and, like, the way that it's laid out where – You've got like the A logo on the chest and then like kind of below the chest almost is where your number is on the opposite side from the logo. Like, I don't know. Something about that just seems off and I don't, I just don't like it. I, I like everything else about the jersey. Um, I have no problem with how it looks. I'm, I'm fine with them kind of doing a play on the throwback. I wish they would have gone a little more creative, 
but you know, I, I can't, you know, hate anything that's, you know, pretty much a tribute to Hank Aaron. Yeah, but, and I, I might be kind of wild for this, but there's only so much, like, so long you do a tribute to Hank Aaron. Like, I think that yeah. they deserve, like, you know, it's a player that's deserving of it. Oh, 100%. But, like, now everyone's starting to take, when you think of Atlanta, all you think about is Hank, Hank Aaron. That's it. When Atlanta is also known for so much more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think they could have played into the city. There's a ton of culture that has to go along with the city. And there's a lot that they could have done with this. I, I think you were right what you said earlier. They kind of took the safer out here. Yeah, but, you know, I, I'm not going to hate on them. Um, the A, I, I, they could have made a little bit more creative A and just the, instead of just saying the A. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's uh, like the only part I don't like is just the logo. Uh, I think just adding the in, you know, a fun font. That's it. Yeah. That's I, all he did. I, I I I kind of like would have liked like a, a crazy red and navy blue design. Um, make the jerseys really pop because I mean, if you have someone who doesn't really watch baseball that much and they tune in, they watch a game where they're wearing the throwbacks, and then they watch a game where they're wearing the city connects, they might not be able to tell the difference. Yeah, I I also am a huge fan, like with the Braves especially. Having the script logo with the tomahawk on the bottom, like that's what I that's a Braves jersey to me, not yeah. just throwing the A logo on the jersey on the chest. That that's not a Braves jersey to me. Yeah, but you know, when if you put a, the tomahawk on the jersey, yeah, whatever. people are gonna yeah, hate whatever. on it. All right, we're not getting into that discussion. <laughs> All right, Colin. This is your first ever stake your claim. You better have something good. All right. You ready for this? Yeah, man. Stetson Bennett is going to have a better NFL career than Will Levis. Wow. You did bring a good one. All right. Give, give me some explanation. I just – I feel like Will Levis and – People might hate on me for this. I think he is going to be the next Jake Fromm in the NFL. <laughs> Damn. Well, he, it would take him going extremely late in the draft to be Jake Fromm. Maybe Josh Rosen? Maybe, yeah, Josh Rosen would be a good one. Or even Sam Darnold going in the first round. Sam Darnold disappointed a lot of people. That's true. Like, going to the Jets, everyone expected him to be the guy he sucked yeah he, he sucked in and he sucked now i i've watched so much so many videos on will levis and i'm just not impressed yeah like, I, I think that everybody's just like wowed by like the build he, he is, has he has he a great looks, arm he looks physically like you know height weight uh, just the way that he plays on the field, he's an NFL quarterback. But yeah. he doesn't—he doesn't do enough, to, in my eyes, to be deserving of uh, you know 
even being called a top four quarterback in this draft. Yeah, he's got a great arm, but his when he's in pressure games and from the this past season in college football, he did not perform like even a top 10 QB in the draft. He was putting average numbers just just around 200 passing yards, like maybe one or two touchdowns. Um, but also throwing in like two or three interceptions on about average defenses where you got Stetson Bennett, who is absolutely annihilating Alabama, absolutely annihilating Tennessee, just balling out. And Will Levis, his pocket awareness, I would give it a C minus. His arm, A plus. Legs, I'd give it a C. Not very good. But, I mean, his IQ, I would even just give it like a, a B minus. He, If he wants to have a good career in the NFL, he has so much learning to do that I just think Stetson Bennett is, I think he's going to have a better career than him. I think Stetson Bennett, well, I'm trying to think of who it is, but he, he, he will exceed a lot of expectations in the NFL. Yeah, I love it. I think that Sesson Bennett deserves more credit. And I think Will Loves deserves less. So I'll go ahead and get into mine. Mine, it doesn't really relate to anything we talked about. Originally, me and Brock, we're going to talk a little bit about um, college football head coaches. But um, I think that Oklahoma State is going to miss a bowl game for the first time since 2005. I'm just not impressed by the roster. They lose Spencer Sanders. I I don't think they have anything going for him. I think at this point, Mike Gundy is just kind of washed as a head coach. Um, he hasn't had a team that's just blown me off my like you know blown me off my feet. Like it, it's just it's very lackluster. And I think this is the season, especially with you know the Big Twelve is getting better across the board. I think Oklahoma State's going to get left in the dust, and I don't think they make a bowl game. I agree with that. I Because we've been used to that rivalry between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, that it's always a good game. But the Cowboys recently are just have, been, have not looked good. And I, I agree with you, Gundy. He, he just needs to stop. Yeah, and like he he is like a, a guy, and with that program, it's kind of like a job for life situation. I genuinely think he if if they want to just keep him there, he should step away because he's not doing anything great for that program. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at their schedule for this upcoming season. It is not an easy one. Like you, you for three games in a row, you play Oklahoma, UCF, and Houston. Like more than likely, you're going zero and three in that, in that span. And even before that, you have West Virginia and Cincinnati, and yep. then also Kansas State and Kansas. Like you can go zero and seven right there. Yeah, it's they've got a tough schedule. The Big Twelve is getting better and better, even with the expansion teams. I feel like the teams that they brought in outside of maybe BYU. Are teams that are ready to contend in that division or in that conference. So, I 
yeah, I genuinely think this is kind of the end of this run for Oklahoma State. Yeah. Now, you think they lose to South Alabama? Probably not. Hey, man, watch out for them Jags. Jags by 90, baby. Okay. All right. Colin, anything else you've got for the people? No, it, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for having me out, Grayson. And just, you know, keep an eye out on them Braves. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, me and Luke will catch you all on Friday. Peace.